Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Hi, everyone. Just me again, jumping into your ears before we start today's episode. As you know, I'm a big believer in giving you some prior warning if the content um, may be challenging for you to listen to. Um, Now, today's episode is one of our longest ones, and it is a really good one. But I will let you know that we, um, both Beck and I, Rebecca Tapp and I, discuss childhood sexual abuse and um, our own personal trauma and post-traumatic stress and, and whatever else. So if that is something that you, be it you've got little ones in the car or you don't um, necessarily want hear about that sort of stuff today, then maybe today's episode is one you listen to later on. There are so many positives. There is so much light in this episode. So don't skip it. Just maybe hold it um, if today is not the day to be listening to stories like that. I hope that you enjoy the episode. Um, It's another one of those that gave me goosebumps, another one of those that made me light up in so many ways. And um, I think you'll really, really enjoy um, the the lessons and the sharing that Beck has um, shared with me today. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today I have with me another dear friend of mine. I've been interviewing a few friends lately, Rebecca Tapp. Beck, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh my gosh, Emma, it's such an honour to join such an incredible game changer such as yourself on your podcast. I think somebody should quite possibly be interviewing you for a podcast called Sheena. <laughs> well, I was thinking that. I was trying to remember when we, when the tables were turned and you interviewed me, but it was a while ago. It was a couple of years ago. So there's been a bit that's happened since then. We yeah, might need so- to do a part two of your oh, DNA of purpose. Well, look, I would volunteer my services to be your host on She Inspires Me to share your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the premise. Everyone keeps saying, when? When are we going to? I'm like, you guys hear, like, because in conversation I'm always dropping little bits of my story and, um, yeah, I do often have people say, well, when? When do we just get an episode about you? I'm like, there's enough stuff about me out there. But, yeah, it will happen, I promise. And, yeah, Beck is a very good interviewer. So we, um, you, yeah, she may be the one. But let's dive in and let our listeners know a little bit about you. So Rebecca Tapp is the CEO of Future Crunch, who are a group of scientists, artists, technologists, and entrepreneurs who think there is um, – there are new and better ways of doing things in the 21st century. Their mission is to foster intelligence, optimistic thinking about the future, and to empower people to contribute to it. She is also the creator of DNA of Purpose, which is a process that draws on scientific thinking to provide a framework for an individual to align more deeply with their life purpose, a purpose that is less focused on the statement of why and more focused on who we are in the world. 
The process itself presented as a daily practice that inspires a deeper connection to our inner selves, enabling us to let go of what is no longer serving our growth as a human being. This is where science meets the soul with a focus on deep reflection and self-awareness. She is also the host of the highly acclaimed DNA on of Purpose podcast. In every episode, she unlocks stories of human purpose th- um, from the world's inspiring thought leaders, influencers, investors, scientists, peacemakers, activists, storytellers, and everything in between. As a change maker herself, Rebecca is on the board of direct um, board of directors of Hark Angel, a charity with a mission to work with impoverished communities to build a hundred schools around the world. She's also on the board of Social Enterprise Project NZ and has um, over the last decade raised over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the charity um, in business by hosting fundraising events and campaigns. Alongside Rebecca's respect for scientific thinking, she's also soul-driven. She believes in the, that the future will belong to those who harness the new IQ, intuition quotient. In 2020, she created Chakra Intelligence to assist leaders and leaders of, in life to, unload, uh, to unlock ancient intuitive wisdom with a focus on navigating the future. Now, I'm thinking we've got three, four hours to talk because that's a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I might need to um, shorten up my intro. <laughs> no, God, no. How did, like, what, if we shorten that, like, I always look at people's, and I do sometimes I get, someone will send me like a, a, a two-page bio and I'm like, we're going to be here a while, so I might need to just cut it and I always check with them and, and just make it a bit more bite size. But I couldn't, like, even if I tried, how would I, what would I cut out? All of that stuff is actually really important to share. Um, well, I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. attest to the fact that there were maybe a few tongue twisters in there as well. So There were, but that's okay. I kind of got, I always pause and just start again because that's what audio is all about, making oh, sure that we get right. the message out. perfect. <laughs> so human connection is what I hear as this underlying theme throughout everything I just read and everything I know about you. I've known you for a few years now. What What is that pace for you? What is that human connection pace and wanting to make change in the world? Um, is this something like, were you that kid that was like, when I grow up, I'm going to do blah, 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 or were you super shy? Um, what, what, were you the little hippie kid running around with feathers in your hair, which is what I imagine, but tell us, tell us what it was like. Funnily enough, I've, I was a little bit of all of the above. Um, however, I'll come back to your lead-in, which was around what motivated me to really want to want to work with people connecting with other people um, and and wanted me that inspired me to want to I guess pursue purpose and to be a part of a, of a better world and the influence um, for me was really a combination of of both the roles that my parents played in my life um, on one hand my dad um, was very much in the media and, and quite well known he he certainly had a, a level of influence within his own sphere of expertise which meant that he was 
you know, featured on Channel 9 News and, and often we would, to give you context, we would go into restaurants and everyone would recognise Dad and we'd literally sit in the corner with Dad with a hat and sunglasses on so so that we wouldn't get bothered while we were eating lunch or dinner. So wow. to put it simply, you could say Dad was a person of influence. My mum, on the other hand, was, you know, as they say, there's there's always a great woman behind any great man. And <laughs> my mum was very much focused on, well, how can I use John's influence in a way that is really good for the world? So she spent a lot of her time really seeking out um, different different volunteer roles, working with, a, you know, a variety of charities, including Hands Across the Water uh, when I was a kid, predominantly the Variety Club, Diabetes Australia. So I was always going along to these events where um, my dad would be the MC and, and very much be using his influence to change the world, which is such a big part of what I do today. Um, mm-hmm. But in the lead up to that, I would be, you know, spending weeks and weeks with mum collecting auction prizes and allocating mm-hmm people on different seats and setting up the raffles and getting these mega sponsors on board. And so between the two of them, not only did they really inspire me in my dad's case to want to really deeply understand the nature of purpose-driven influence and what it means to have profile and do good in the world with that profile, but mm. uh, in the case of my mum, what does it mean to really lead uh, a, a life of heart to really use the time, the tools and the talents you have to proactively go out there and be the change and solve problems and work for the work for people who were maybe less fortunate than we were. And um, I guess to, to loop this part of the conversation off, I did have a really fortunate childhood. Um, I was a little bit of the hippie running around the, the paddocks with feathers in my hair because I was lucky enough to be one of those kids who lived on five acres, who had horses, um, yeah. went to dancing, and I and I had the privilege of that freedom to live that yeah. life. Um, so, yeah, you know, so I, I was all of those things. Um, however, yeah. at the same time, when I look back on my childhood, there um, there were also quite big challenges, and I know you and I have spoken in detail about this at different points, yeah. but I, uh, between the ages of seven to nine, went through sexual abuse as a child yeah. at my primary school, um, yeah. abuse which, which many years later I took um, and went through the whole process with the Royal Commission into mm. sexual abuse. So that was a very long journey in my life and, and I'm sure we can traverse through how that played out as we move further mm. into the conversation today. But I reference that because whilst on one hand it was rainbows and unicorns and incredible parents and there was so much of my life that represented the life of, you know, the perfect little girl, the flip mm. side is there was this deep level of darkness and I've repressed that until I was about 23 and had a massive breakdown. And mm. um, so when I go back to that, this idea of human connection and wanting to change the world, that darkness also informed my need to step into purpose because there came yeah. a point in my life where I needed to actually channel that anger into something positive and to mm. use in a way that really created impact and enabled me to be part of the solution to what I had been through. Yeah. And I think there's so much in that. So you've said so much in just that first piece <laughs> that you've shared with us. Um, you talked about privilege and 
privilege looks different in every single person and when we compare because that's what privilege is when we look at what we have compared to someone else it's really important to acknowledge that um but what you said is so true it doesn't actually matter how much privilege you have the darkness can be there and the darkness can creep in and those moments in time especially in our childhoods um you and I have a very similar story in the sense of our abuse timeline is is similar of a similar yeah. age um you know, for how long it went for at the point of our lives when we had our breakdowns. We've had very lengthy conversations about this subject matter. Um, But I also am very aware that I also come from a childhood that in a lot of ways was privileged and, um, and was from the outside was great. Um, But that drive for change and the drive of being a change maker. I really think we don't create change because things are good. Mm. Like I don't often, don't get me wrong, like when things are great, you want to keep them great so you might tweak to continue greatness. But when I think of the word change, I think there's no, there's something that's not right here. There's something that's not sitting well. There's something that's doing damage where can I make change and proactively be a change maker to try to remove some of this darkness from the world? Um, and you and I work in this change maker space in, in so many ways. And even as we read your bio, we can see it in so many different categories and elements. But the change maker model is right there, right throughout, because the driving force is how can this be better and how can we make a more positive, optimistic impact on the world mm. as opposed to just saying, well, privilege is there so the darkness will, will just not, you know, um, penetrate that And because we know that it, it will. We know that it doesn't matter. I mean, coronavirus is the perfect metaphor. If you think of mm. trauma, whether it be big T trauma or little T trauma, it's like a virus. Mm. It doesn't care who you are. If it touches mm. your life, it can be just as debilitating regardless of your socioeconomic circumstances. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Mm. Um, so in that, in those lessons, in that moment, especially the moment of your early 20s, did you understand purpose back then? Um, because purpose is something that you, you know, you really support others in. I've worked with you as a client of yours. Um, we've we've worked through my story. Um, as I said, I've been a guest on your podcast. Um, we work together in so many ways and we switch roles all the time, which I love about our friendship. Um, but you help people find their purpose. Do you, can you think back to when that became something that you understood and, mm-hmm. I guess for the people that are listening out there that may have heard the word purpose and gone, oh, I need to find my why. And don't get me wrong, like the work of Simon Sinek and the the, the concept of why is incredibly important and that book is brilliant and his work is brilliant. But I think we get stuck in a box and we say, I need to find my why so I can know what my purpose is and that will be my life's work. And I know that it's not as easy as that. Mm. Um so do, can you talk us through when you felt that 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 you kind of that you worked it out or if you were still working it out but the first steps of that and then what you think people should be thinking about when it comes to looking and understanding their own purpose big question 
Well, there, well, there's a few questions in there, I think, <laughs> so, um, which is really exciting because, you know, you, you, you're basically sending up all of my favourite things to talk about. But <laughs> I'm going to jump back before I jump forwards um, and I guess frame up that time in my early 20s because, yes, it was extremely pivotal to who I am today and it's what I would call for me, that was my great turning point. And what I have discovered in the the thousands of conversations I've had about human purpose is sometimes it's by choice, but most mm-hmm. of the time it is in a crisis where we go into a turning point where some part of our ego begins to dissolve away and it's incredibly raw and incredibly uncomfortable. But when we strip back everything we think defines us in order to become who we really are, It is in that moment that we choose purpose, that we choose to lean into uh, a deeper fulfilment and a deeper connection to who we are and the contribution we make in living our life. So I'm going to go into that a little bit more, but I'll tell you a bit more about my story. I was 23, um, where at that point I hadn't actually remembered um, what had occurred to me as a younger person. I think at a visceral level I knew something was wrong, but like so many victims of sexual abuse, I had completely repressed the memory. So by the time I was 23 and, and really right through my teenage years, I was suffering with depression, I was suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder, not that I even knew that it was. Mm, And I was, you know, I was a very anxious young person. Mm, Um, And so by the time I was in my early 20s, that led to, you know, low self-esteem, eating disorder-related issues, drug use, all sorts of really, really self-destructive things. And, and, And looking back, that makes a lot of sense because I was doing everything that I possibly could to stay out of my body because my body was what was holding on to these horrific events and to this horrific trauma that I had repressed, my body still remembered what had happened. It was just that I literally chosen to file it away somewhere in the the back recess of my mind so that Mm. I didn't have to look at it. But anyone who's gone through, um, I guess, any kind of healing process will know that eventually that is like one angry pimple that is going to explode in some form. Everyone has had an angry pimple, so yeah, <laughs> everyone knows what you mean. <laughs> and so what that led for me is I actually ended up having a massive breakdown. Um, I had uh, flashbacks, a little bit like for anyone who's seen the movie The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. That was a little yeah. bit like what my, what my life was like for 12 years, actually, where I'd go through these periods of time where something would start to trigger memories and I literally would have these visions drop in. And looking back on that time, it became a little bit like if somebody had taken say the timeline of those events between seven to nine and placed those events on a mirror and then thrown that mirror on the floor and had shattered into pieces, as I was getting memories come through, I'd just get one piece and then one piece and then one piece and there was never any sequential order. So you can imagine um, that over a long period of my life, I literally had to put together not only the fragments of the memory but I had to put myself back together. So where that led me is literally working for 12 years with a psychiatrist. I ended up in my early 20s in hospital. Um, Both were two six-week stints getting treated 
for depression and anxiety. Um, alongside that, I also, and I'll talk more about this later, but I had also prior to that point studied as an energy healer and become a chakra dance teacher. Funnily enough, um, it's really only now I'm getting right back into my teaching because much of that work at that time was very much my own healing process to really begin to be able to reintegrate my mind, body and spirit in order to be able to come back together. Mm-hmm. But in terms of purpose, at that particular time, there were times, moments, where I didn't necessarily want to choose life. It very much felt too hard. I was literally mm-hmm. sat in a mental health ward in a hospital and you're going back probably I don't know, 15 years ago now, it wasn't mm. like today where mental health is discussed, where everybody's talking about it. It's on, there's, you know, there's signs on buses and, and advertising. Yeah, exactly. Like it's everywhere. Television. So true. I was like a weirdo. I was that mm. girl. And it was so- Yeah, you were that girl with the problems and exactly. someone needed to fix the problems. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. you're not only dealing with the the actual implications of having a mental health issue, you're sitting within a framework and a society where you are the weird troubled fractured kid. Hmm. And um, it's such a stigma. Like I don't get me wrong, I don't know if the stigma has like it's so much better now, yeah. but I think that some of the reasons why people don't seek help even today is because of the stigma but it's probably the hangover of that stigma that we had 15 20 years ago for for all of us who grew up in that time where you were that kid or that girl that was troubled and was almost it wasn't even that you were troubled you were trouble um and so it was it was all about blame and all your faults and all about shame and yeah. You're already, yeah. I mean, as a victim of sexual abuse, you're already dealing with guilt and shame and it's my fault, let alone yeah, exactly. adding a whole other layer of, of the social framework that existed around that. So when mm-hmm. I say there were days I didn't want to get up, there were days I didn't want to get up. But in relation to purpose, and it's not that I consciously knew this at the time, but at a deeply unconscious level, I knew that I was alive and on this planet for a reason. There was this tiny voice inside me that was like, you just keep having to show up, show up, go to the counsellor, show up, do your healing session, show up, go see the kinesiologist, show up, go and cry and scream and let it all out, show up, go and do a week-long retreat for survivors of, of abuse. Like I did all of these things, literally. So none of those things are easy. And it takes a huge amount of courage. But the reason I did it was because at some level I was deeply connected to this sense of knowing who I was and knowing that my life had meaning and that it mattered. But I didn't know what that looked like then. I just knew that I had to keep doing the next right thing in the words of Anna from Frozen 2. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly how it was. And that was really I share this story because this, in looping back to what you were just talking about uh, with regards to purpose being so commonly discussed as being a statement of why, I'm like, Mm. sure, purpose can be used as a marketing strategy. Fine, that's great and good for the world. I'm not going to discredit any of those things. But can we please start talking about the vulnerable stuff, like what happens, what people do when they're literally 
going through a process that is asking them to choose life. Why does life matter? Why should I get through this? Why should I feel the pain of my child dying or the fact my partner's got cancer or the fact that, you know, my, my parents have died and that have shattered me, that shattered me or my marriage has broken down or whatever that dark night of the soul is? Why? Why should you keep getting up? Mm. That is actually where you're going to get to the depth of what yeah. this feels like. Yeah. And, and it's still a question of why. It's not, but it's not. It's not a marketing gimmick. And don't get me wrong, as I, I completely agree with you and as I said before, from a business perspective and all of that stuff, it, it's it, that stuff is actually still really important. But we're talking about humans. We're talking yeah. about human to human right now. Um, and as you said, it's the why around choosing life and it's the why around getting up the next day or having the vulnerable conversations or doing the hard stuff yeah, and keep doing the hard stuff and keep showing up. There has to be a reason for that. And look, to your point, words are powerful portals for energy. And Mm. I am a firm believer in the idea that purpose is an energy in motion. Purpose is something we experience and we feel in the present moment. Now, having a statement of why or having words around that energy in motion, around that feeling, is the same as having a mantra or the same as having an affirmation. I mean, from an evolutionary perspective, the human brain is hardwired for storytelling. And that is why we need words because words create sentences and sentences give us a sense of meaning. But the other thing they do is they enable us to echo an emotional response. Mm. And that emotion is an energy, it's a feeling, it's something that flows through us that we that we experience in a deeply embodied way. So it's fine. I'm not saying don't have a statement of why or understand your purpose in that way, but look beyond the words. How do those words make you feel? How do those words anchor you? How are those words your mantra for the energy of purpose? Mm-hmm. And is that the from the perspective of someone that might be looking at this or listening to this, sorry, and and thinking, yeah, I, I, I feel a bit lost and I'd really like to tap into my purpose, is that what they should be thinking? tuning into first because I'm, I'm I was about to say thinking about but it's not a thinking it's not a in your head type thing it's in your body it's in your energy it's in your emotions it's it's sitting in it yeah from what the way you described it just then I, I, like this isn't like let's brainstorm and write stuff on paper it's sitting in it and it's really uncomfortable Totally. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for anybody who feels ready to go on the journey of purpose. The first step Mm. is actually radical self-acceptance. And that is the uncomfortable bit because it's once you start to look inside of yourself and really start to assess how you feel, how do I feel in this job? How do I feel? feel in this business how do I feel at this moment in time once you start getting honest about that your life is going to go through some pretty significant shifts 
And that is the beginning of the transformation that is purpose. Because once Mm. you start listening to that emotional intelligence, that the intuitive quotient I was talking, you you referenced actually in the introduction. Once you start listening to that as a deeper part of your truth, it asks you to shift anything that is not in alignment to that. So that is the radical self-acceptance piece. But in coming back um, to what you were saying, what I would say is it's not about purpose or having our purpose or having our statement of why. It's about being purposeful. So the first mm. um, paradigm I would want to flip in this conversation is it's okay to have more than one purpose. My purpose <laughs> yeah. um, as a mother is so significantly different to my purpose as a, as a professional. My mm. purpose with yeah. regards to how I show up for my partner, Ash, is different again. Yeah. And that doesn't make any one of those things more important or less important. And that's the first thing I'd say is, is the act of being purposeful in order to experience the energy is as simple as asking ourselves, well, in this moment in time, based on where I'm at right now, today, with the people I'm with, how can I help? How can mm. I heal? Or how can I build hope? Mm. And so true. just ask that. And look around and you will find ways to help or to heal and build hope. And notice how that makes you feel. And stop looking at looking at it as something that needs to exist in this narrative of my purpose has a start and a middle and an end, but that my purpose is fluid. It's an energy. It's something I tap into and experience and dance with. I mean, if you could see me, you can see me. Yeah, you're physically moving right now. I love it. With the energy of the purpose because for me, it is, it is a dance. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and if we can start understanding it as being something that's fluid rather than static, as something mm. that is multidimensional rather than, rather than a singular, then mm. we can start to open up our experience of lens of what purpose is in every millisecond of every day of in every way possible because it's always there it's like our chi mm. yeah and it's so so true so true I've almost got goosebumps as you talk so good <laughs> <laughs> it's um i i think it's also when everything you just described be it from talking about that the moment of your you know being at that point in your life where you had to choose and you had to find the reason to get up every day um to just that dance and that flow um we can be so static or we can't our, our thought process can be so static and it's almost the way that the world is wired. Um, we're meant to get up and go to work and do this thing and then we're meant to work this job and then retire and do th- this thing. And it's it's how it's how we've been trained from such a like such a long time ago. Um, and I don't though we're seeing some changes, it doesn't seem like it's changing all that much even for our kids um, and what they're learning. So it's incredible when there are conversations like this where people can start rethinking because then we model that behaviour. Yeah. So I know that our children, um, your daughter's a lot younger than my kids, um, but they're seeing our, us firsthand and they're seeing that flow um, and it already shows in their behaviour. Um when I think of my youngest, Harry, um, and your daughter, 
that already shows, and don't get me wrong, you're in right in the thick of three nature. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's so what it is. <laughs> you're right in it. But that is also flow. That is her choosing to show up and choosing to make decisions and to push and to find her place whilst also working out where she fits that day because she might fit somewhere else the next day. Um so that is brilliant. So I guess there's a couple of things that come out of that for me. If you're listening and you're like your ears have pricked up and you're this, you've got the goosebumps that I've got, that there's something that we've said or Beck has said that has really stood out for you. My first point of call for you is go and listen to her podcast because on top of the fact that we've just talked about this and we're going to dive into podcast in a sec, but you have interviewed so many people and and really dived into what they're doing in this space, in their own space, what they're doing in their lives. Um, so if you are a podcast fan, which I assume you are if you're listening to this because you're already listening to a podcast, go, go check that one out. It's in the show notes. It'll be nice and easy to find. If this is something that you're, you've been thinking about or you've been feeling a bit lost and you're not really sure, all of Beck's details are in the show notes. Check her out, have a chat, see if the work that she's doing might help you because sometimes we just need the, the vessel or the language or the process. Um, and if we've, like, I know some of our listeners are like corporate people who might sit in this really rigid corporate space and what we've just talked about, we've said, we've talked about intuition, energy, chakras, chi. A lot of those words don't show up in the corporate space well, very often. Totally, although um, I guess to flip that, I mean, yeah, spoken a lot about the soulful side, but the reason that my podcast is called The DNA of Purpose is because the entire process for understanding what purpose is is built around scientific thinking. And that yeah. is, in its simplest form, our our purpose is like our DNA. And yeah. what I mean by that is it's a, it's a unique code. It is a blueprint that is designed to activate our highest potential. It yeah. is a blueprint that is also influenced in the present moment by what is happening in our what it, how we're being influenced by the environment, which is otherwise known as epigenetics, if you want a scientific yeah. term to attach that to. And then looking mm. at purpose as well as something that, like our DNA, we inherit it. It's informed by, by our culture, our values, our belief systems. But at the same time, it's also something we pass on. Um, you know, in the same way my daughter holds my DNA, the first job I worked in for eight years also holds my DNA because I designed yeah. a lot of those roles that still exist today. So as much mm. as I am all about the soul and in I guess for me as a part of my radical self-acceptance in fully stepping into my purpose, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that in the closet. Like I'm all about yeah, um, you know, I'm all about intuition and soul and mm. doing the work and purpose is a healing paradigm. But and, and I'm sure we'll talk about future crunch, I hang out with a bunch of science geeks all day long. <laughs> and much of my thinking is is really based upon science and looking at mm codes for life and how they intersect with big and lofty things that we can't otherwise put a framework around like meaning and purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. So 
podcast, I have just referred everyone to go download and listen. There's a few episodes because you've been recording for a while. Is yeah, there someone? Is there an episode? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Is there an episode that comes to mind? Like, I, I'm sure, like, if someone made me choose an episode of She Inspires Me, I'd really struggle. So I always laugh when I put these questions on other people. But is there someone or something that has been said to you in that framework that has made a significant impact on you personally? Oh my gosh, that that really seems <laughs> a hard question. There are so many because I mean, so much of the story that I have lifted from all of these people about purpose is because literally each interview has been like a golden thread in my tapestry of what purpose is. So it is incredibly hard to be able to pull out uh, any one interview. However, I did really love um, interviewing an author by the name of Hugh Mackay, who has a book out at the moment which is all about the inner self and it really looks at the gap the tension between who we really are our inner self the seed of who we are and the person that we project out into the world and I like to if if I was to capture that idea it's a little bit like you know the Russian dolls where you've got the little one on the inside and then then another layer Mm. and another layer and another layer and I think um you know I think human beings are like that but what happens is that we tend to silence the deepest part of who we are the smallest doll yet that doll is the one who holds our purpose it's the one that holds that energy that intuitive intelligence the inner knowing the soulfulness the parts of ourselves who know who we are Mm. it it holds all of that wisdom yet if you look at the the external doll we often have this completely different picture painted on that doll of who we, who we think the world thinks we should be. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that episode I loved because it started to really get me thinking about what it means to live a life of deep alignment. How do we take all these layers of who we are and establish a narrative and an energy that cuts through all of those layers so that we are living in truth? so that we are not hiding or inhibiting any part of our gift and our contribution and our quirks or whatever it is that we've got that's in our DNA, that's encoded to our existence in this life, that we are able to fully live it. And so I loved that particular interview for all of those reasons. The other interview I really loved um, was with a lady called Coel Simpson. And Coel is a life coach, a horse whisperer, and a spiritual mentor. And what I loved about the conversation I have with her, and I mean, when I say all of these things, she is so successful that she's been featured in Own News, like Oprah's magazine. Um, so has a huge profile and as a horse whisperer she actually works um, with leaders in all of these incredible corporate organizations and basically will take them into the round yard or the, or the horse yard and ask mm. them to do something with the horse like get the horse to do something and what mm. tends to happen is if that person is walking into the yard scared anxious fearful tense the horse won't respond in fact what the horse will do is completely mirror that person's behaviour. So she then works with the leader to self-locate, to understand what they are feeling, and then to be able to shift state 
so that they can then engage with that horse. And as soon as they've managed to get to a space of of mindfulness, of presence, of stillness, Mm. where they are calm, that horse will start responding to them and interacting with them. And this is based on the idea that a horse is only ever mirroring our emotion, our energy, and it will respond at that level. And the thing is humans do the same thing. We also definitely tune into each other's energy and emotions and and even if we're looking at purpose, we know when someone's on purpose because you can feel them, you feel their fire. <laughs> you yeah. know, they don't need to tell you anything. Um, yeah. And I, I love that episode because it really goes into how we can understand purpose as an energy but also understand energy as a really significant way that we communicate with each other. So it helps us to start to unpack what, what we think from how we feel and then how are we projecting what we feel. And that enables you to tap into a whole different level of intelligence with regards to human connection. Wow. I need to listen to that episode. But. Yeah, I actually met a woman recently who um, did some horse therapy at, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the retreat. It starts with a G, it's in like New South Wales or maybe Byron Bay. Um, anyway. Indiana, but that's like a health retreat. No, it is. Actually, that's the one. No, 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 that is the one. Um, and I met her on a retreat recently and she had a really similar experience and did the horse therapy and talked me through it. And I was like on the edge of my seat as she was talking me through her experience. And wow, it sounds pretty amazing. Wow. Well, as we've just said, plenty of episodes to get stuck into, um, but they are the two that you've just mentioned. You mentioned before, we've mentioned the word science a few times today. Um, you work with scientists. Yes, I They're do. the funkiest, coolest scientists I have <laughs> ever met. Uh, I well, love I mean, the whole thing, actually. I the guys. A scientist, a political economist, a musical philosopher, um, an entomologist, which is a fancy word for a bug scientist. We have an urban planner, a diversity evangelist, a speed painter, and yours truly. <laughs> yeah. so, just, so if you're wondering what on earth we're talking about, check the show notes, check out Future Crunch. We will we just don't have enough time in this podcast to really dive into the brilliance that is the team at Future Crunch. I am a hundred percent biased. I work with the team quite closely. Um I have had them speak or some of the speakers in the team um, speak at an event that we were fundraising for Project Gen Z a few years ago. Um, Can you explain what Future Crunch is or what you do? Yes. So aside from being a nerd collective, as I mentioned before, (laughs) um, so Future Crunch are a thought leadership and media brand with a focus on what we call intelligent optimism, which we ignite online um, via a pretty successful newsletter 
um, which is jam-packed literally with good news from all over the world um, and good news from the world of science and technology. So when I talk intelligent optimism, just to frame that up, I'm not talking about unicorns and, and rainbows and pink fluffy clouds. I'm talking about optimism that is literally grounded in the, the golden facts, in the evidence from the world of science and technology. And that newsletter is jam-packed with all of the above. Um, we also ignite intelligent optimism on stage via a whole range of keynote presentations we have a very successful corporate speaking business um, and you know I think even more significantly it's about empowering intelligent optimism in life um, because I'll just share my personal story you know when I first started working and and joining the future crunch team for me what intelligent optimism was about was just at a deeply personal level shifting my own perception of my own world because it's so easy to get caught up and to give our attention to fear, anger and outrage and, and our brains again are hardwired for that. Like we literally, you know, back in cavemen and women days, we needed to be primed for fear, anger and outrage because in those days what that looked like was lions, tigers and bears. Um, however, in, in the, in you know, the modern world these days, our brains are still primed that way and it's very easy to get really caught up in negativity, whether that be negativity in our lives, negative news, um, gossip, mm. all of that stuff. Our brain's going to pay attention to that because of how our brains are wired. Intelligent optimism is actually choosing the opposite, going, mm. hey, well, here is everything that's out there and I'm not going to deny that there's darkness. There is, but there's mm. actually also all of this light over here, all of these amazing advancements to human progress, purpose-driven businesses, people, hope, aspiration, all of this stuff, and I'm going to choose that. That's how I'm going to feed myself today. And so I think that's the biggest thing about what we do is it's empowering mindsets of intelligent optimism. Mm. Wow. I remember um, when I heard some of the team from Future Crunch speak at the event that we ran, um, my, well, then 14-year-old son was in the room and he was just like, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and um, you know, he thought I was dragging, I, I was, in theory, dragging him to a corporate breakfast, which was a fundraising oh, breakfast. New and, age of optimism. Yeah, he was like, this is going to be so lame and whatever else. Um, but, uh, yeah, when he, he definitely loved the what they shared and just even how they deliver um it's very it's entertaining it's informative and it does it, it just helps you rethink and shift your mindset so wow that was a you did a pretty good job giving me the bite-sized version I of what future well, does. I, tried. Nice work. I tried you know <laughs> um I think for me it, it's this idea that as a metaphor Hope about a better future is like having a baby bird in a nest. And if you mm. feed that baby bird negativity, things that are bad for it, it's going to die. Mm. But if yeah, you true. feed that baby bird positive things, things that are good for it, if you give it a good information diet, that mm. hope is going to flourish. And, and that's mm. what the world needs right now more than ever. It's so true, especially, you know, especially now. 
But we could have had this conversation two years ago and I would have still agreed with you, but, man, yeah, we definitely need some some of that now. Um, yeah. So if you... That's a decision yeah. every individual makes every single day. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you head to our show notes, you'll be able to check out Future Crunch um, and their website and their socials and um, and how you can get some of that good optimism um, into your inbox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Now, as I said earlier, I think my first comment after reading your bio was about you being a change maker and that thread that I've seen throughout all of the work that you do. And um, as I said, you and I have known each other for a few years now and um, I think we're both the same in the sense that we'll speak to each other and be like, so what are you doing now? Because it's always something new. There's always something fun happening and some new project or or arm of a business or something. Um, But when I read your bio, which I already knew about, but it kind of helped me understand, tell us more about Chakra Intelligence. And you mentioned that this is something that you've had in you um, and something you've had experience in for quite some yeah. time. So why now and, wh- and what is it all about? So the, the byline that comes to mind is that everything old is new again and, and it's quite <laughs> my story. But, hey, I was, I'm going to stop you there. I was out the other day and a bunch of teenage girls walked past me and I was like, they all look like Christina Aguilera. Like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Why is every like? I was so confused. And my husband and I were looking. I'm like, did I just step back into my teenage years? Like, it was bizarre. Oh. I everything that is old is new, Don't and everyone looks like I did, but so much better because their makeup is so, so much better. Much. But we actually, joked about buying a bunch of free Britney t-shirts to wear on stage as a part of the future yeah. brunch merch. So yeah. no. <laughs> Brittany is completely on trend for different reasons right now. But, yeah, sorry, everything that is old is new. I just had to share that because I had this moment the other day where I was so confused. Everyone looked like Christina Aguilera and Brittany from the early 2000s. <laughs> Love that. Love that. You know, but I was a man's child, so, you know, I'm happy to get down. Yeah, you, we're, we're of the same era. You tell you, you know, we're, we're talking the same language when it comes to fashion, so they're on trend. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so chakra intelligence. So before I ever traversed even into um, studying actually like anything formal or ending up in the speaking industry, my cousin Natalie had actually come back from London. Um, I referenced before some of the more difficult things I had been through in, in my early years, but in addition to what we spoke about, my brother also passed away when I was um, 18, really in quite tragic circumstances and quite suddenly. And so when my cousin returned from London, I was, I think, 19 or 20, and a young person really looking for some answers, particularly with regards to what does this thing called life mean? And, not again, not that I was mm. conscious of it, but I now have a lot of wounds and how do I fix them? And she came back having studied in Jungian psychology. She'd studied um, at a place called the College of Psychic Studies in London and had founded something called Chakra Dance, which was basically creating dance therapy. 
So mm-hmm. in essence, chakra dance is a fusion of very specific music and music frequency combined with guided meditation and free spontaneous dance in order to be able to balance the human energy field, in order to be able to basically bring up any blocks, any crap that we have and use mm-hmm. sound, music and dance to shift and heal those parts of our yeah. Um, which we can talk more about that. But for me, I just fell in love with the chakra system at that time. It it opened every doorway that I needed opened in order to be able to start to move forward in my life. It gave me this key where it was like, not only am I going to give you the map, I'm going to give you the power and the key to go and do the work and go and heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, you talk about chakras these days and people are far more accepting. Um, <laughs> yeah, but back then. Back then I was not only yeah, wow. the trouble kid but the weird hippie kid too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just was like, this is my dharma. And so I went to London and I studied for two years at the College of Psychic Studies and became an energy healer. I then came back and and in amongst having a breakdown and all of the other things we spoke about became a chakra dance teacher. And, you know, it's no coincidence those two things happened at the same time because I think in some way working with energy in the chakras is exactly what opened me up to have all of this stuff surface. But it was Mm. also something that gave me the pathway and the tools to be able to process everything and shift all that energy as well. Um, So I did teach a little bit of chakra dance at that time, but predominantly once I ended up in the speaking world, it it kind of became, yeah, Beck and her chakras. I played with it a bit on social media, but it sort of got sidelined given I'd found myself in a very corporate world with the world's best business speakers. It wasn't really a space at that time that chakras fit into in any any way. Um, However, in 2020, I just... It had never left me and and I think last year was such a reflective year for everyone and I just had this deep sense that if I, this has always been my dream and if I don't Mm. do something with this ancient knowledge at this particular point in human history, I will regret that. And that comes back to the everything old is new again. The chakras Mm -hmm. are a really ancient, ancient Eastern system of of holistic well-being and health. However, they've never really been applied with a future focus. They've never been applied in a way um, that really creates a bridge between the ancient wisdom and knowledge and how it intersects with a world that's now being redefined by global t- pandemics and emerging technology and automation and all of these things. So I was like, we need to start talking about the chakras in a new way. And mm. so don't get me wrong, you can go and Google the chakras, you'll find out what they are, you'll find every colour they relate to, every crystal they correspond with, every incense tea or whatever else it is that the chakras go with. And by all means, go do your work. There's amazing resources out there and Chakra Dance is definitely one of those resources. That's Mm -hmm. not so much what Chakra Intelligence is about. Chakra Intelligence, we're very much in the early days, but the way I see Chakra Intelligence um, evolving is 
basically um, as, as a thought leadership brand in, in many ways that really enables people to have the tools to, to not only enable personal healing through understanding the chakras, but also using this knowledge to more deeply connect with their purpose as an energy and the chakras being a portal to really be able to shift through any blocks that are stopping you from stepping into that purpose. And then finally, understanding the chakras as portals to have a higher level of planetary awareness. Um, now, we probably don't have time today to do a full lesson on the chakras, but just as they relate to us at a personal level, they correspond with things like the earth, like water, like fire, mm -hmm. air, mm -hmm. communication. So they also really link into some of the, the really big social problems that we're facing at this, this point in human history. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, at the moment you can follow Chakra Intelligence on Instagram. I'm also teaching Chakra Dance um, at a great venue in Newtown, Sydney, but there are Chakra Dance teachers all over the world now. Um, so if you'd like to learn more, by all means, jump on and find Chakra Intelligence on Instagram um, and and maybe we can do another episode down the track uh, where we are yeah we can dive into that we could do a whole episode on, on what the chakras are and and how they influence our lives wow what an exciting thing to be working on now thinking of things that you're working on is there anything else because <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised but um you know we're about to, we're recording this, um, we always record a few weeks beforehand, so we're currently recording this just before the Easter um, public holiday weekend. Um, what's on the horizon for you in the next few months? I know that you've got a three-nager that's probably dictating what's going on around holidays and household and, and whatever else, and you've got all of the work that you're doing with Future Crunch and um you know, all the things we've discussed. Is there anything front of mind um, that you're working on or is, is Chakra Intelligence the core focus? Well, I mean, look, predominantly much of my time is is dedicated to Future Crunch and DNA of Purpose is now a part of the Future Crunch brand. So, yeah. um, I, you know, we're, we're all in wearing our, our pink and black flag there. So that's obviously taking up much of my time. And then, as I said, um, chakra intelligence at this point is a, a side hustle and, and we will see if it grows, grows wings and that's fine. I love it. It's my passion. Um, in terms of Future Crunch, I think the biggest um, project we're working on, which is really exciting, is something we're calling the Great Transformation. And so literally today I'm going to be loading up uh, an ebook to our website called the, called the Great Transformation. And this is the idea that we're in a once-in-a-hundred-year revolution in every industry at once. So what happens is not a foregone conclusion. You know, we're really living in an age where we're facing an unwritten economy and mm. it's up to us to, to write that and it's an opportunity to redefine what business is for and it will be, you know, decided by the actions, mindset and courage of today's leaders. So we are launching a CEO mastermind um, wow. around the Great Transformation, which we'll be launching in August. It's really exciting. We're only accepting one corporate organisation per industry because we really want it to be a network that is built on cross-industry collaboration and mm, yeah. for us is really powering up leaders with the tools to pioneer the next economy and to, to write that. Wow. Um, 
over the course of the 10 months, we will be traversing through the most significant technical skills and uh, technical trends. So um, the technology trends that the team at Future Crunch have come up with based on, um, you know, really so much cutting edge research from Tane as a cancer type scientist and Gus as a political economist with regards to what those technical trends are. And then on the mm. side, we're also going to be running through the corresponding um, human skills that are required mm. in order to be able to success, successfully navigate um, a world that is being redefined by these emerging technologies. So it very much is something that integrates both the human skills and the technical skills, empowering up leaders with everything they need to really be able to um, sail a ship into the unknown in order to create a brand new world. <laughs> oh, that sounds incredible. <laughs> the, little, the actress in me came out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really wish we'd recorded the video of this. Dancing. I've just sat still. I sit pretty still. I try not to flail my hands around because there's not a lot of space in my oh. studio wardrobe, but um, yeah, no, I, I normally do talk with my hands, though. But, no, that is that sounds incredible. So, as Beck said, by the time this episode goes live, you can head to the Future Crunch website and check out the ebook, and then um, have a look at the program. If you are a CEO out there and you're listening and you're thinking what is coming next, how do I best prepare myself, my business, my team, the humans that I care about and the world for this next venture, this next phase, um, this might be what you're after. So my favourite question, my last question. I will will be sending you, you, Caroline, I will send you a copy of the e-book. so that you, you have it there on file should anyone want to jump on your website and, and request it or anything like that. The email is ready. Wonderful. Well, that is awesome that we have that. Um, so that will make it much easier as well, which is very, very cool. Now, my last question, which is always the trickiest one for every guest, um, who inspires you and why? Who inspires me? Do you know what, and, and I hope this doesn't sound like a super narcissistic answer, and it probably will because obviously it goes without saying that I could list off to you 100 people. that oh, The amount of people that you know and have met and have interviewed is ridiculous. Every single day um, I could say that my daughter is my greatest inspiration. Is she? Absolutely. But I think what I would really like to empower in other people is this, that I am my greatest inspiration and the reason for that is because the story that I tell myself about myself, about my community, about my business, about my world, that's the story that changes the world. And if I'm not clear on that story, then I can't create a vision for a better world, for myself or for the world. And unless I can see a better world, I can't make a decision to create it. And so I want to answer that question in the way I would love all of us to answer that is that we all have the power to choose our own story and be our own inspiration. I love that. That's a total mic drop moment. (laughs) And 100%, I need to clarify this and I need to almost, we were talking about your your partner, Ash, who um, 
who can edit audio, might just get him to take the narcissistic comment out. That might be the editing piece because I 100% agree with you and I do have the same moment where people are like, who inspires you? And don't get me wrong, I do this every week. I get to speak to some incredible women. Um, The whole purpose of this podcast is to create inspiration in day-to-day stories and, and women from all walks of life. But to be honest, I'm the one getting up and doing the thing every day. And if I can't inspire myself, then I'm not getting anywhere. Like nothing is happening if I'm not inspiring myself. Um, so to take the, to, to wipe that little narcissistic kind of moment, which is just what the world tells us that we're not actually allowed to be proud of ourselves and we're not allowed to find hope in ourselves and we're not allowed to be that person, uh, especially as women, Um that was a brilliant answer and um, I agree if all of us can find that inspiration and the purpose and the reason to choose mm. from ourselves, through ourselves, the world will be a much better place. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah, um, yeah. The, she inspires me. The greatest gift we can give to our to our children I think as mothers or to our friends as mentors or just I think this is one for women in particular because for us it's mm-hmm. such a level up to to accept all of who we are and to love all of who we are is that if we can empower ourselves just with the knowledge that that we hold the pen that story Absolutely. whatever that story is that's our story and we choose it and no one can ever take that away from us mm. Well, Beck, you know I could chat to you all day, but we should let our listeners get on with the rest of their day or whatever they're doing if they're listening to this bite-sized chunks. Um, It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Um, To our listeners, um, thank you again for joining us for another episode of She Inspires Me, and we will speak to you again soon. Thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.